Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark R. LePage. Thanks for joining me here today at Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 297, and Jim Ronay is reinventing architecture at So Liquid. We talk about that here today at Entree Architect Podcast. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM specifications, and so much more at RCAT.com, and FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work you love. Jim Ronay, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Jim Ronay is a founder, co-founder, and CEO of Soliquid, a startup specialized in large-scale additive manufacturing for AEC and design industries. Soliquid was created in 2018 to rethink the way we design, fabricate, and build by 3D printing in suspension. Sounds pretty advanced. I can't wait to get into this conversation because I want to know more about what that is. Um, you know, I know what 3D printing is, and I understand a little bit about what you're doing. Um, Jim is an architect specialized in virtual design and construction strategies, BIM processes, uh, and digital fabrication. And he's a member of the current cohort working with our friends over at Z uh, Zero Sixty, the AEC Accelerator. 
Last week, we spoke with another member from this year's cohort at Zero Sixty, Andrew Zukoski from Join.Build. So you can go back and listen to Andrew's interview as well. Uh, and the week before, we spoke with the co-founder of Zero Sixty, Herman Ar- uh, Aparicio. And so you can learn all about Zero Sixty and what they do two weeks ago. Um, and so it's, it's really exciting to hear all about these innovative ideas that are being advanced over at Zero Sixty. And so today, I'm here with Jim Ronay of Soliquid. Um, Jim, I shared a little bit about you in that intro, uh, but I want to do what we do every week, go back to your origin story, go back to where you discovered architecture, what inspired you to become an architect, and give us that story from that point to where you find yourself today with Soliquid. Yeah, thanks. Uh, when I, I started to study architecture, uh, it was 10 years ago. And uh, I was more on the scientific side uh, back in high school. Uh, yeah, I started to think about how to, yeah, how to build tomorrow's building. And that's how I got into architecture. And, uh, and I got into this uh, Parisian school. And straight away, I decided to to switch to the computational design side. And that's uh, that was a special department there called Digital Knowledge, where I used to to learn about all these parametric design and uh, computational design approach. And that was also um, a, a side of the the project where was meant to learn about how robotic fabrication could be uh, could be could be apprehended on the architectural side. And so I did my master there. I went uh, I went a year in uh, in Finland to well to to know about what was done in uh, in other countries. Came back and started to work. Uh, I spent two years in uh, Jean Nouvel's office, where I used to start project uh, on the beam uh, beam processes uh, aspect. And then I joined Gary Technologies for for two years, where I had a, more on a, a consultant uh, job working on automation, optimization, and, uh, and everything related to delivery system implementation. And so, and uh, so when you were at Gary's, were Gary Technologies, was that in the U.S. or in, in Europe? You're based, no, it was you're, based, yeah, based uh, in Paris, yeah. Yeah, so, so it was Paris office, because you're based in Paris. I forgot yes. to mention that in the bio. Um, hence the, the French accent, when people are, <laughs> <laughs> which... Sounds great to me because I'm a low page. So, uh, reminds me of my grandfather who also spoke very similar. Um, and so, so at um, so you were working with Gary uh, Technologies. How did that lead to Soliquid? Well, the main main aspect of the of the work in uh, at Gary Tech was uh, you know it's focused on uh, on digital to fabrication approach. So there there's this. Uh, Constant link to how you how you you reach the, the 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 fabrication aspect and how you really build. It's not only design, but how you make it you know happen in a, in construction. So I think this link is yeah, it's pretty logic because uh, robotic fabrication and what we do at Soliquid is uh, is also tackling these issues and uh, it's uh, it's question, always questioning how you can build uh, with other logics, other processes. And it's very linked to what we did at, at Gary Tech in some way. So what was your role at uh, Gary Technologies? So I just be uh, just for a little bit of context, Gary Technologies uh, is a, a the, the arm was ar- the arm of uh, Frank Gary's office, uh, Gary Architects. 
and uh, all those amazing buildings that Frank Gehry and his firm have built throughout the world uh, relied on the technology and the computer systems that they developed at Gary Technologies. They spun that off as a separate company. Today, it's owned by uh, Trimble, um, who is actually the how the whole Zero Sixty thing happened as well. So go back and listen to that episode to learn all about that. But that's some context. So, so what was your role, Jim, at Gary Technologies? So I was more on the consultant side, uh, which is very large. <laughs> it's very large, but the, what I used to do there mostly is uh, is addressing some very complex projects, and like it could be it could be related to very different uh, parts of the of the job, like meaning automation processes, like how you make a team uh, working more efficiently with uh, processes that can be automated. It could be optimization on complex uh, envelope projects, for example, how you how you end up producing uh, thousands of different panels on an envelope uh, with a limited uh, amount of time. So how you can optimize all this. Uh, it means implementing new processes, developing some scripts about uh, how you can uh, how you can actually generate all the the the, um, the execution files for the for these panels, and then more. Uh, so another aspect which is related to BIM build uh, information modeling, uh, and it was more uh, how you can manage teams on these aspects and uh, and help them you know producing um, decent models that can be actually used on the on the whole life cycle of the of the other project yeah yeah it, it's that's very interesting i i never really you know i understood that gary technologies really was um the the technology that was developed was required to build the buildings that were built um but i always looked at it from a technical side of point you know of a point of view is how how do you technically get a building to look like that and and you know keep the water out and stand up and do all the things that architecture needs to do. And so I always looked at Gary Technologies as doing that. But it's very interesting that you're talking also about how do you do that in an efficient way? How do you, how do you um, create a building that every panel is different? Literally every single panel is a different size, different shape, different dimension. How do you do that efficiently to the point where it can be economically built? Because that's the other half of those buildings is Yes, they're super expensive, but but they're at, they were built so they they were built at a level you know the efficiencies and the economies that the technology could bring to those buildings allowed them to be built. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I mean the 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 way we 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 actually uh, measured the success of what we were doing at Gary Tech in the end is uh, yeah mostly the the cost of uh, the. How how we could optimize the cost of uh, of construction in the end, and uh, and uh, that's that's what the the, the clients uh, that that were asking for uh, for our services were asking mostly. So in the end, that's pretty much it. So it, it, the the range of things we were doing were uh, are pretty vast, and uh, and I think it's still evolving, and uh, and even more. I mean, since we we uh, since we joined uh, since uh, Gary Tech joined uh, Trimble. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Are you are you still working with Gary Technologies, or are you a hundred percent with Soliquid? No, 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 I'm hundred percent uh, with Soliquid now. Yeah. So how did how did Gary Technologies lead you to Soliquid? 
It's, um, well, uh, as I was saying, uh, most of the aspects we are dealing with at, uh, we are dealing with at Gary Technologies are really related to, to, to fabrication. And, uh, and what we're doing as Soliquid is, uh, is trying to make possible the, the, the fabrication of elements that couldn't be easily built before. So that's in the way, uh, we're trying to at Soliquid. We're trying to 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 bring some new solutions for the for the construction industry, and being able to produce some non-standard elements that couldn't be easily built before. So I guess that's the the, the link is here. Uh, the, the the way we were trying to find solution at Gary Technologies uh, to to make possible very complex uh, buildings is some way finding the answer in in what we're developing at Soliquid. So explain explain what Soliquid is and what you're trying to accomplish. Yes, so Soliquid is a um, it's specialized in developing a, a 3D a large scale 3D printing process uh, with the, the 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 characteristic that we are printing in a in a gel matrix. So the the main difference with the layer by layer technology that. Um, that is usually known uh, is that we printed that matrix and uh, the the fact that we print in this is uh, that you can actually print in 3d uh, without having the constraint of uh, of building your uh, your element layer by layer so you can actually extrude in the gel with the with a maximum uh, freedom and uh, being able to produce very complex geometries uh, without the need of using uh, expensive support so we've, I, I think many of us have seen either in person or in video, the idea of a 3D printer printing in space that it's that, that, you know, traditionally and how it's, I guess how it started is that 3D printing was layer by layer, right? So it, you had yes. to start at a surface at the bottom and just the printer would run over and it would create a layer of solid uh, material over and over and over again. And eventually that would build up to become an object. Um, we all see that in the small, you know, plastic 3D printers that we've seen. Um, that has, you know, developed into larger scale. They do that as well. But what you're doing at Soliquid is that you're creating, and and I think many of us have seen the small plastic versions of, you know, 3D printing in space where the there's the nozzle and the plastic is running out and it's creating this 3D form in space in real time. Um, you're doing that at a very large scale. So, so I, I, are, you, are you at the point where you are actually building structures in space like that? Or is it, or uh, is it in development? It's, it's, uh, it's the goal. It's the ultimate goal yeah, of, uh, of what we're doing, but it's, uh, it's, still, uh, it's still under development. The, um, the thing is when we started the Soliquid with my, uh, with my other co-founder, uh, Amory, we, we are both architects. So what we wanted to do is, yeah, it was obvious we wanted to do that for construction. So it was, uh, it was meant to be large scale from the very beginning of it. We faced some, uh, some big issues, of course, because uh, starting from a, a very small element that you can build in a matrix and being able one year later to make it out of concrete in a, in a bigger container and, uh, like it, it raises a lot of issues, a lot of challenges that we are trying to, to address. Uh, and it and it's uh, it's actually start to pro to work uh, really well now, but uh, still a lot of development to do. But yes, the the main goal is to to be able to build these um, element for the for the construction site. Uh, we always be on the prefab prefab uh, strategy 
because you know we are we are printing in a in a box yeah just imagine like a box of uh, which is filled with gel so we'll be always limited that by this volume of gel in which we are in, in which we are printing so that's why the strategy will always be related to prefabrication we're not going to build on site like the layer by layer technology for example could uh, could be done in in a couple of years but um, but it's meant to be for construction and large scale. So these so these are robots in a factory creating these pre-manufactured elements that would then be modular and then brought to a site and assembled on site. That's the intent. Yeah. Yes, that's the intent, and we're actually pushing the um, pushing that forward in the sense that yeah, for now we have a, we have a factory a, a very small factory where where we're actually producing these uh, these elements. So we use uh, we have a six-axis robots uh, on which we plug our extruder, and we have these uh, these big containers uh, where we print. But uh, one of the main objective is to actually be able to um, to produce in the future some small factories that could be easily shipped uh, very close to building sites, and you you could actually produce there. Uh, Thousands of uh, of elements that could then uh, be assembled on site, and you could actually reduce the the cost of uh, transport, and uh, all these aspects could be could be optimized. So right now, the material that you're using is a gel. Is that what you said? The, um, that's the matrix. So the um, it's the it's it's what is uh, is used as support. That the gel we are uh, so imagine a box filled with gel, and then our extruder. Uh, Put some concrete in it, so we have um, uh, we we make the geometries out of concrete. The the concrete solidifies in the gel, and then we extract it from the gel, and we have these uh, these complex element that can be di yeah directly extracted and assembled on site. And how how long does it take to create an element you know that's that that, that you're creating now? Uh, depending on the size of it, because we are um, well, we are. Of course, we are still limited by the the size of the of the of the boxes we are using. But the the, the printing process is uh, in that sense is very fast because we are not printing surfacic uh, elements. the 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 main The main idea is uh, is to optimize uh, the way we 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 use the the material that we print. Uh, the idea here is. Uh, reducing the the amount of uh, of material that you put for uh, for uh, construction elements, because it's it's uh, it's one of the challenges of construction today is how you actually reduce the quantity of material that you use for buildings, which is uh, directly linked with the cost of a of a building, and it has and uh, carbon emission, for example. So it has a lot of uh, consequences and. The way we we try to, to, to print is our elements is very optimized, and in a sense it's uh, it's more like a skeleton of a of a constructive element than a, than the element itself. Just imagine like a yeah 3D 3D mesh of, a, of an element that is more uh, made of linear uh, connections than a surfacic one. So yeah. What what's the gel made out of? What is the material? Uh, well, it's. It's part of the of the development. So I cannot tell <laughs> I cannot tell much about it. But uh, but it's the advantage of the of the gel we are using is uh, that it's uh, well. It's first it's not nocive, so we can we can keep it and uh, and it's very very stable uh, material. So we can reuse it, and oh, that's that one of the main. Question. 
Yes, that's one of the main interests of the um, of what we are trying to develop because this gel uh, is reusable for many many prints. We can keep it for months, and that's the idea behind here because uh, that's where the 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 make difference is made. The 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 biggest difference is made. The the gel is is used as a support but can be reused. So it's in this it's adaptive adaptive in in some sense because the gel you know reforms after the when you extract the piece you can you can re reprint right after you just need to mix it filter it a bit and uh, but it's part of the process and uh, but it's reusable for months and that's the main interest of the technology very interesting so instead of like a, a wood mold or some other material that we would traditionally use for concrete molds you've essentially designed a a, a mechanical system and a a material that can now create molds quickly and and in any shape and form that you want and and that material can be reused for other molds yeah exactly very interesting we'll be right back to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at entree architect rcat and fresh books have you been to rcat.com recently it's the number one most used website for finding building product information and it has a new look rcat has updated their site to get you the data that you want that much faster their search now allows you to choose what kind of information you want like cad bim specifications and you only get those results just that data that's all you're going to get RCAT is also constantly fine-tuning their search engine to make sure you keep getting the information that you ask for. Fast and easy. Of course, it's still free and it requires no registration, not even a login. It doesn't require any email. It does not require any money. It's free. If you need building product information and you haven't yet used RCAT, it's time to go check it out. If you've never tried RCAT, head over to RCAT.com and try it out. You'll be glad that you did. That's rcat.com, A-R-C-A-T.com. Go check it out and let them know that Entree Architect sent you. In case you were wondering, 192 hours works out to about two business days every month. Two business days. Well, why the math? If you're an architect and you're using FreshBooks cloud accounting software, that's the amount of admin time that you can save every year. How? Well, FreshBooks is so fast and so easy to use that it changes the way that you deal with your paperwork. FreshBooks is the simplest way to be more productive, more organized, and most importantly, it will get you paid quickly. You can create and send really professional looking invoices in under 30 seconds. And when you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks can show you whether they've seen it, which puts an end to that guessing game on you know, whether they got that invoice or not. If waiting for a client's check in the mail is slowing you down, slowing down that cash flow, with literally two clicks, you can set yourself up to receive online payments. Oh, and your clients, they will love paying by credit card straight from their invoice. FreshBooks helps you avoid having that awkward talk with your clients about past due payments. FreshBooks automates late payment email reminders. This is my favorite part. So you can spend less time chasing payments and more time working on your projects. If you have any questions whatsoever, FreshBooks award-winning customer service is amazingly helpful. They're super friendly and they have zero attitude. 
Plus, a real live person usually answers in three rings or less. To claim your month-long unrestricted free trial, go to entrearchitect.com slash freshbooks and enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's entrearchitect.com slash freshbooks. Arcat and FreshBooks. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. What would you say is the biggest barrier to accomplishing your goals? Um, well, the, we, we have a lot of, uh, you know, Amori and I, we're, as I was saying, we're architects. So we, and we, we used to, we have kind of the same background. We used to study computational design and uh, robotic fabrication, but still we're not engineers in the sense like we have some, we have some limits in the way we uh, can apprehend uh, uh, well, I'll go into detail, but the rheology uh, of material that we use, it's, uh, you know, you need, it's very complex because you need to, to find the right balance between the, like the viscosity of the, the gel we used and the material that we are printing in it. So it's very complex. Uh, it's, uh, we've been, we've been developing that for a year, but now we, we know that we are reaching some limits in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, comprehension of the, this whole complex uh, system. Um, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to enlarge the team and uh, and work with uh, engineers that actually <laughs> know all these uh, all these small details and can uh, help us on uh, yeah on bringing the technology forward. Yeah. So what what does your team look like now? Is it just the two of you? Yeah. For now, it's just the two of us. Yeah. Interesting. You got <laughs> you've gotten pretty far as two architects who have this <laughs> crazy dream of you know reinventing the construction industry. I mean, you're literally that's what you're doing. I mean, it's your You've invented a new way of constructing buildings, and and uh, and you've done it, you know, solo so far. Um, what what is so you need to bring on engineers? Would you also need chemists and the rest of that to sort of, you know, continue to improve and develop the the gel? Yes, 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 yes. Probably, yeah. There are a lot of um, it's interesting. There are a lot of uh, universities that start working on these uh, on these topics. I mean it. It's already something that is pretty known. It's a complex uh, gel, so they have a very specific rheology, and uh, and uh, yeah, we're gonna have to work with chemists as well for uh, to push it forward. What's your what's your timeline look like in terms of getting to the next step, or in, you know, basically in, in order to build a team that you need? Are you are you funded? Because I know that zero sixty doesn't fund. They help you with resources and connections, but they don't fund. So so how are you funded? Uh, for now, we've been um, so we've been we've been working with uh, we have organism in a, in a, in front that helps you know that give you uh, they give you sub subvention for uh, for R and D projects and you know yeah innovative technologies and so we've been uh, we've been living with this for now uh, for a year so that's what uh, that's how we. We 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 tried to begin this R and D process for a year, and that allowed us, you know, to to patent uh, the what we're doing, to to make a lot of prototypes, demos, and make it uh, yeah make uh, what we had imagined at the very beginning uh, come true. But uh, but now we are in a, yeah we are in a kind of a tricky phase because we need to find some funds to to be able to go to go further. Yes, so we're we are the we try. We are in contact with uh, industrial and uh, 
and investors and uh, to to talk about these topics because it's uh, it's I mean it's a part of uh, of, uh, of our future and we cannot we won't be able to work with them. So you'll, you do you imagine venture capital where you where it's equity based that somebody would come in and take a piece of the company and and give you some money to continue working? Yeah, the well, it's uh, we we've been thinking a lot about it with uh, with Amory and it's yeah it's probably uh, a good way to go with that because construction tech and especially when you're working with uh, hardware uh, is I mean it's very it's very expensive yeah. because. Uh, it's in that sense it's very different to what software uh, technology could do uh, we i cannot work from home uh, with my laptop and uh, and develop it like it's it's always you need to invest in uh, in machines uh, you need to have a, a space for that so it's a lot of uh, i mean it's, it it represents a big amount so that's something you cannot do alone and uh, especially when you go, want to go forward like this because we have this uh, this small production um, uh, factory where we started doing this and we had this industrial partner cause, uh, called Ig3 which is doing, uh, which is doing uh, layer by layer, uh, la uh, large scale layer by layer technology. And, uh, but now yeah, we, we have to push it forward and uh, funding is, uh, is a good way to reach this. Are the elements that are being created today, are they structural at this point or are they, or are they decorative panels and non-structural elements? The, um, so we started with the, we are working with concrete that are very, very performant um, because, you know, the, again, we're, uh, the way we print is more, uh, look, looks like skeletons more than actually finished elements. So that's why we directly started working with very, very performant uh, concrete. But uh, it's uh, to make it uh, actually structural. First, we need to to run a lot of tests, and that's that's a big part of the of the development as well. To be able to to make sure that all the connections uh, that we make in the gel are uh, sufficient to to provide uh, actual yeah, structural performances. And uh, but the the structural aspects are a big part of the development. We need to find also other ways to. To be able to, um, you know, to wire these uh, these elements, to put metal in it, maybe like the you know right. the old fabrication is doing it. So uh, we need to find some strategies to to to, to reach this as well. Yeah. Right. I mean, we all know that that concrete doesn't work very well when you try to pull it apart. It works yes. well when you compress it, but it doesn't work well when you when you're when you're pulling it apart. And so, it, 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 um, your first thought is like, well, how do you get reinforcing into something that's being developed with a with a gel, and so I'm assuming yeah. that's part of the 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 challenges that you're having, and and part of the the development of that you're working on. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the you know concrete is usually yeah used uh, in the traditional way. You use rebars to do this. Right. Uh, so you put yeah you put you put metal in the concrete, and that's how it's uh, reinforced. Uh, but the, so the, the, the challenge for us is to, to be able to do that during the printing process. So it's something we are thinking about it and trying to develop, uh, being able to, to, to put like a wire cable in the, in the, in the concrete while we are printing. So that's, that, that could be one of the strategy, including some metal parts as well while it, while it's printing. So that's a lot of, um, of a discussion we have at the moment, try to find uh, the best strategy to make it actual structural and be able to use it as a, you know, on site and, uh, and making it, making it uh, true. Yeah. 
So not only do you need to reinvent machines and reinvent the, the process of, of forming concrete, but you, now you need to reinvent concrete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, that's yeah, <laughs> so, somehow, yeah. But that's exactly what you were talking about. Like, concrete is very good in compression, and the way we use it is totally different. We make some very complex geometries. So of, of course, the compression is is not the the way we use it. We use it in traction, flexion, and then that's how the 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 elements we are doing are are solicited and. Uh, and that's why it's very challenging as well. Uh, we are also so I was talking about rebars and uh, finding a way to include metal pieces in uh, in what we print. But another strategy is uh, working on the yeah as we were saying on the concrete itself. There's a lot of uh, of development as well. Not that we are doing, but that companies uh, like cement companies are doing now to kind of hybrid uh, cement with other components yeah. like resins or this stuff. So of course it makes it uh, more expensive, but at the same time, if you if you are able to reduce the 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 quantity of material that you are using, I mean you could find a balance here. So that's also in the material side something that we are trying to to push how you could uh, mix cement with other components to make it actually actually structural in uh, in, comp in in compression but also in traction and flexion yeah yeah super super interesting um the the potentials of what you're trying to accomplish is really fascinating um what does it take mentally to start a company like this because this is not just you know let's you know, build something better or start a construction company or, you know, this is reinventing the way we build buildings, which we've been doing for thousands of years. Well, how, how does it, from, your, from a mindset point of view, how do you say, okay, we're going to start a company that is going to reinvent the way we build buildings? Does that take a lot of courage or do you just say, right, this is just the next step in where I've been and where I'm going? Um, good, good, <laughs> good question. Well, the um, actually on this, I'm gonna I'm gonna give much credit to to Amory, my par my partner. Uh, so we met uh, him and I. We met uh, in my former architecture school. We were actually giving some uh, courses about robotic fabrication, and there we had a lot of students. And each time we were giving this course, we had the challenge of. Uh, or building some, uh, you know, some, comp some complex uh, constructive systems, because the students were modeling some crazy structures, and we had to make it uh, to make it happen. And the tools we were asking them to use was a six-axis robot. Like each time you had a different thematic, but uh, each time you had to use this robot. And every time it was the same. Uh, the, the amount of time we spent uh, trying to to mill, to 3D mill the the like the the cast that we're supposed to to use for uh, you know for uh, for for creating this uh, constructed element was taking so much time that we never had the the time to finish the project. It was very interesting, but each time we 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 ran out of time. So at the end of that, we started Amory and I started to think about uh, how we could change this and finding some new ways of uh, addressing these topics of uh, yeah creating complex you know the. The rise of uh, the rise of uh, of digital tools uh, are, um, is making the co buildings more and more complex every time. You can you can see building envelopes are, uh, in our cities today. They are always more complex. So we we try to address this uh, 
this topic in that sense and uh, trying to look at what had been done before. Uh, we ended up uh, with that process that had been developed for medicine at the very beginning. So uh, some, some, some scientists, uh, they tried to replicate the, the complexity of organic tissues. And at the time, it was uh, seven or 10 years ago, they didn't have the, the, the process to do it. So they started printing in gel. That's how everything started. And when we look at that, we like, okay, that, that, could, be, that could be an answer. So, so Amory started to work on, uh, on that part. We're at the very small scale at, at that time. So we're building in a, yeah, in a small body was 50 centimeters and uh, trying to make, out, make it out of a resin that we were. And uh, when we saw that uh, this process was working for, uh, for what we were intending, uh, yeah, we, we, we straight away, it didn't take time to, <laughs> before we launched, uh, we started to think about it seriously, but yeah, it, take, like, it took a few months and, and that was it. In June 2018, we started SolidQuid. So it was just the evolution. It was just the next yeah. step that you needed to take to get to what you wanted to do. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, so just never look back, just kept looking forward. What's the next exactly. step? Exactly, yes. Yeah, I asked that question because I think a lot of architects, because we're creative people, come up with ideas, you know, come up with these solutions to problems that we have in the world or come up with these new ways of doing things. And I think so many of us just end with that idea. You know, we have this great idea, but look at what it would take to accomplish that idea. And so when I have somebody like you to be able to talk to you and share with the rest of the community, I love asking questions like that because I think it encourages and in inspires others to maybe take that leap as well um, and to see where it goes. So thanks yeah. for sharing that. <laughs> yeah, and actually, yeah, I, I'm gonna gonna come back on what you were saying, but the, all, all my architects friends that I know, they are, they're also in this uh, creative mindset, and that's very interesting. They they never you know they never give up on a on 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 a world that they could reach. Uh, each time they they are addressing a project and they have this new idea of uh, how I could make this. Uh, I have a lot of friends that actually they make this experimentation. Like it's not okay. It's not always starting a company and trying mm -hmm. to do it, but uh, they have this idea of making, so they are experimenting and trying new ways, trying to find new ways of doing it. Even if it's like uh, taking one weekend and going and try to build my own stuff and see how it could work. So it's not always using what, what is uh, in already industrialized, but trying to find new strategies of making what I want to do come true. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that's fascinating. And I also think that, that, you know, there's lots of talk in the industry of architecture, the profession of architecture, that that if we don't evolve, we're going to go away. We'll, we'll become obsolete as architects in the traditional sense of, of building designers. And when I speak with somebody like you and I look at the generation of architects that are coming up into the profession, um, I have lots of confidence that we're going to be okay and we will evolve. We will, the architectural profession will evolve. But people like you who are inventors and creators and architects, um, you're practicing architecture. You're creating, designing buildings and creating tools to build those buildings. And so um, architects are not going anywhere. We're just going to evolve and we're going to find new ways of taking the skills and the talents that we have as architects and applying them to the problems we have throughout the world. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, there, there is this fear today, you know, that all the tools uh, that are, so we are talking a lot about Beam and the fact that all these new tools are going to make, uh, yeah, the architecture profession disappear. But I would take it on the other side and, uh, and say that, you know, being able to keep the control on all this is is what we really should do. And that's how architects are going to be able to always be always stay in this create creative mindset and be able to i mean that's where we're good at right because you have a lot of profession now around us that can do a lot of things so we i mean architecture is a small part of uh architects are a small a very small part of the construction world but where we're good at is this creative mindset and uh, i don't think we have a lot of profession that that could that that could do that so we need to keep control on all these tools all these processes to yeah to be able to stay here and uh, and I don't think that the, the the rise of this digital tool is going to make us disappear. Yeah, Often no, the- I, I think we'll we'll become strengthened by it because yes. I, I and I don't think it's it's going to be this massive shift that we're all going to have to change from what we're doing to something else. I think it will be an evolution, and I think the 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 generations that come up into the profession. It's already there, the mindset of being the entrepreneur and being the inventor and being the creator because the tools are there and they've, they've, they have grown up with those tools available to them. And so to be able to take an idea and say, well, what if I just did this? They have the tools to just go do it. And so it's not going to be this big, massive industrial shift in the way we practice architecture. It'll be an evolution. It'll just be the way that architects practice when they have these ideas like yourself, um, you'll just pursue the idea and continue and, and develop new ways of doing what we do. Absolutely. So, Jim, thank you. This is super inspirational. Um, if, uh, if I asked you what was one thing that a small firm architect could do today to build a better business for tomorrow, what would you tell architects who are listening? Well, actually, I'll go back to uh, to the topic we were <laughs> we were talking about right before. Is uh, it that we we need to understand that uh, that the having the control on a on a project and uh, and making making what we want to to build come true is uh, is what we need to fight for. And uh, so, whether we are a small architecture firm or uh, or a big uh, or a very big office, that's the main uh, the main challenge. So. The tool we have at our disposal now, I think, make us. Uh, uh, we need to 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 empower uh, to empower all our process with this and take control on that and don't give up. So that's how we we could do. And and I think the all the the, the new the new processes and it's part of the, the 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 parametric design, the computational, the 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 generative design, all these approaches that that could make us save a lot of time on um, very repetitive processes that is part of the of the of the process of constru- constructing is uh, make uh, make big project very addressable by even by small firms so that's uh, that's where we should fight for yeah so liquid.io it's s o l i q u i d like so liquid.io um, you can go check them out there and see what they're doing. You can also follow Jim and his team on social media. Search for So Liquid, uh, either So Liquid or So Liquid underscore dot uh, underscore io. So Liquid underscore io. 
Um, Jim, are, is there any video anywhere of anything that you guys are doing so we can see an example of the work that, that's happening at SoLiquid? Yes, there are, so you can check on the on our website, of course, soliquid.io, and uh, on all the yeah, social media, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, we have all the all the the videos there. Yes. All right. Well, we'll find some videos and we'll put them on the show notes for this uh, this episode. This is episode two hundred ninety six. So entrearchitect.com/slash/episode two nine six. We'll have links to the website and to social media. And we'll find some videos because I think it's it's something that we need to see in order to clearly understand uh, what you're trying to accomplish. So, Jim, this has been a fantastic conversation. I really I'm super motivated. I'm super inspired by what you're doing. I thank you for what you're doing. I appreciate your contributions to the profession um, and the leadership that you have showing us the way to the future of architecture. So thank you for sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you very much, Mark. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to episode 296 with Jim Ronay of So Liquid. If you want to share this show with a friend, if you want to share the link, if you felt there was some, some value here, I think this has been a fantastic episode. The inspiration and motivation that, that I have today after uh, speaking with Jim is just off the charts. So uh, this is an episode that you may want to share with some friends to give them some motivation, them some inspiration to take that first and next step to take some of those ideas that you have and go do it. Go go make it happen. So this is episode 296. You can check out all the show notes, share the link, entrearchitect.com slash episode 296. entrearchitect.com slash episode 296. Hey, did you know that we redesigned EntreeArchitect.com, the homepage? You can check it out right now at EntreeArchitect.com. We redesigned it to provide you quick and easy access to everything we're doing here at Entree Architect to help small firm entrepreneur architects build better businesses. If you're looking for answers, we have solutions for you at EntreeArchitect.com. Go check it out today and, and let me know what you think. I really would love to know what you think. If there's anything missing, uh, let me know because we really want to make that homepage something that you visit on a regular basis to provide access to all the different resources that we're doing, to this podcast, to the blog, to all the membership opportunities. Go check it out right now at entrearchitect.com. Hey, and you can also download our free profit tools right there on entrearchitect.com. Three financial calculators for free and three video training sessions for you. They're waiting there right there at the top of entrearchitect.com. Go check them out. Love, learn, share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris 
owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.